What's fascinating about circling is that you start to see all the different possible reactions that people have to you. Getting discomfortable with circling. I've found that there are some practices that make noticing and talking about and sitting with emotions like shame much easier. The first one is mindfulness and meditation, which, as I'm sure you know, I mean, there's many different kind of versions of what exactly meditation means. But I'm talking about just the kind of non-judgmental, present moment, awareness, noticing, and acceptance of whatever sensations, feelings, emotions, and thoughts are arising. And there's another modality called focusing, which is a great way to also get in touch with your feelings. And I think I will probably do an entire episode on focusing at some point. But the last modality that I want to mention and really focus on in this episode is something that is called circling. Circling is an interpersonal relational practice that's kind of like a social form of meditation. In the same way that in mindfulness meditation, you're just noticing, noting, and allowing to arise and shift whatever is happening for you in the present moment. Circling basically just adds a social element to that where you name what's arising for you out loud and you say it to the group. This is what's coming up for me right now. I'm feeling, you know, whatever I'm feeling. And then the group is all, everyone is invited to also share what's coming up for them. And it tends to create this kind of resonance and reverb, I would say. When one person in the group is feeling something and they name it, it's not uncommon for other people in the group to notice that they were feeling a very similar thing. It's like our emotional instruments and our social mirror neurons in our brain are so, so sensitive and able to pick up on subtle bodily cues that we can feel the emotion in a space that's kind of coming from other people. It's, it's almost being co-created. We're, we're resonating with the same emotional frequency that other people are giving off. So that's one thing that starts to happen is that a, a few people in the group might all find themselves feeling the same emotion and not even being entirely sure where it might have originated. Like, is this my sadness or am I feeling a resonance to your sadness? But then there's also what I called a reverb, or in circling language, they might call an impact, which is that when one person shares what's going on for them, it has an impact on everyone who's listening. And each system picks up on what's being said and what's being felt and has some kind of reaction. And that reaction might be empathetic, it might be resonant, it might 
go into the same kind of feeling, but it might also be something else entirely. Someone might mention that they are feeling sad, and you might have an impact where you go into anger for some reason, or you might go into compassion, or you might go into amusement, or you might even be bored. And what's fascinating about circling is that you start to see all the different possible reactions that people have to you. It can be very surprising and insightful. You might imagine that what you're sharing is going to make everyone uncomfortable. And then the group shares impact after your share, and you discover that no one's uncomfortable at all, that that was just your own discomfort, and you were kind of projecting it and imagining that that's what everyone would feel. So it's basically this practice of just sharing what is alive for you, and then seeing how that impacts the group, and then they share whatever that impact is for them, or whatever else might be alive for them, and then that impacts you and the rest of the group, and it just sort of goes around like that in a circle. You also start to discover patterns about yourself. You might notice that every time someone feels a certain emotion in the group, you have the same reaction. Like, oh, wow, every time someone, like, tells a joke, I notice that I get a bit frustrated. That's interesting. So I'm starting to see a pattern arising in me. Or every time someone brings up this kind of subject matter, I discover discomfort coming up in me and kind of aversion or avoidance. Because you get so much feedback and kind of like you're, you're encouraged in real time to look at what's coming up for you in reaction to what everyone else is sharing, you get this really clear feedback about what comes alive for you when and what you know, impact or reaction that might have and can possibly have on different people. And it's always different. And those differences really help you see that everyone's system is a bit different. And everyone reacts in different ways and has different patterns. And the way that your system works and the way that you view the world and the way that you react to things and the way that you interpret things, the stories that you tell yourself, even about what is actually happening, you start to discover that those are very unique to you. So there are some sort of invitations or agreements to circling that help you hold the practice and get the most out of it. And one of them is to use ownership language or to own your experience. Different circling modalities have kind of different rules, quote unquote, but there's almost always something about ownership in circling. And this, you know, as you circle, this sort of becomes obvious why this is important. And that is because everybody really is feeling and interpreting the situation in their own unique way. You might say to the group, well, we're obviously all really uncomfortable. And then the other group members might push back and say, well, when I hear that, I notice I'm angry because you're making this assumption about me and I don't feel uncomfortable at all. So you start to get this feedback that shows you your own projections and your own assumptions and your own stories that you're kind of laying out onto the world, which are actually just true for you. 
So ownership language and owning your experience is this invitation to really, really see and name that the stories you're telling yourself are your stories. And the feelings and emotions and reactions that you're having are your reactions. And that they are actually coming from the way you see the world and the way your system is set up and not the fault of anyone else in the group. So a couple examples of ownership language are, instead of saying, oh, you just made me really angry, I would, I would own that the anger is mine. And though clearly someone's comment may have stimulated my anger, that's the impact of what they said on me, ownership language recognizes that not everyone in the group is going to be made, quote-unquote, angry by that comment. This is my reaction. So circling invites you to say something subtly different, like, I noticed when you made that comment that anger came up in me. That's just a way of really owning your experience. This is my anger, and it came up in me. It's not coming up in everyone. It's not a default to what you said. It's not your fault. It's my anger. And that just really helps everyone in the group have their own experience and be kind of the, the master and owner and final say in what's true for them. And by the same token, you'll often hear people in circles saying something like, I have this story that we are all angry. Is that true? Or I have this like theory or this suspicion or I'm imagining. That's another line that people use a lot. I'm imagining that the group is bored right now. Is, is that, am I getting that right? So again, it's this ownership language that, that says the way I'm viewing things, the interpretation I have of events is my own story or my own imagining or my own theory. And after I say it, I'm then going to want to check to see, is anyone else feeling this? Is, is it true at all? And, and get a sense of whether or not I have an accurate story about what's happening. So this is another form of ownership language, which they might call checking your assumptions. And it really helps you even just notice how many assumptions you're making. Because people will start to give you feedback if you don't check your assumptions. If I say something like, well, this is obviously boring everyone to tears, it's very likely that someone in the group will say something like, I notice when you say that, I get defensive because I am not bored to tears. And I feel like you're projecting onto me. And that, you know, that feedback is difficult to hear and will probably have a strong impact on you, but is such useful self-awareness. It's like, oh, wow, okay, so maybe I'm bored or I'm feeling some kind of discomfort and I'm imagining that everyone has it, but really it's just mine. So ownership language is a great way also not to trigger other people. I find that when we make assumptions about what other people are thinking or feeling or what is true for them, that is such a classic way to bring up anger, defensiveness, frustration, boundary-setting energy, because people feel like their autonomy is their, their freedom and their, their, yeah, their, their 
their truth is being invaded and corrupted by some other person. So it makes complete sense. So using ownership language is a very powerful tool, not just in circling, but anywhere in your life to avoid triggering other people. Because you can just very clearly say, look, this is the way I am interpreting it. It might be wrong, but I just want to be honest about what's going on for me. I'm seeing it like this, and I just want to check that assumption. Is there any truth for that to anyone else? Am I, am I, is this a conspiracy theory, or is there some, some good data to what I'm seeing? And even if everyone's like, nope, that's a complete conspiracy theory, it's still a really important piece of data about you. So it's not like you shouldn't have shared that. That's the whole point. You've now checked this assumption, and you are now in a position to say, oh, wow, why am I seeing this situation so differently than everyone else? You know, what's going on in my sense-making? Why did I jump to that conclusion? So that's that data, it's not like, oh, you got it wrong. It's like, oh, great. What a great little bit of self-awareness here. Why is it that I saw it that way? Hmm. And that's just really valuable. You, you might start to uncover some patterns about the way, you know, for me, for example, anytime someone has a very serious looking face, I am likely to interpret that they are unhappy. And when I check that with people, they're just like, no, I'm not unhappy at all. I'm just, I'm neutral or I'm just thinking. It's like, I don't have to have a smile on my face to be, you know, happy. And so that, that's just been some useful data for me. So that when I'm leading a group and I see some serious faces, I don't have to panic and think, oh, everyone's really unhappy. It's like, oh, who knows? If I really need to know, I can ask. But it, it, it helps me challenge my kind of patterned story. Oh, everyone's mad at me or everyone's bored of me or something like that. I can just say, actually, you know, you've checked that out in the past and it's often been untrue. So I'm just not going to make that. I'm not going to believe that right now. Another useful invitation of circling that I've often heard people use is something along the lines of welcome everything. I interpret this as meaning that there's no right or wrong sensation or thought to be feeling or thinking or experiencing in a circle. If you're feeling shame and you think, oh, I should hide this, Welcome Everything invites you to share it. There's, there's not like some emotion that you're supposed to be feeling here in a circle. What we're looking for is just what is true. What is happening for you in the moment? Even if what's happening for you in the moment seems culturally inappropriate, like maybe there's some judgment coming up in you towards another person or some, some kind of petty anger that you think is bad or wrong or some kind of like depressive or negative vibes are coming out of you and you feel like, oh, I should, I should be upbeat, I, I should be positive, I should be optimistic. Circling is like, no, we just want to know whatever is happening for you. That's, that's what we're looking for. That's what is being invited when you share impact, that it's whatever is true for you. And obviously, you know, a circle is a shared space. The group tends to be fairly small, you know, like four people maybe in a circle. 
maybe less, maybe more. There's definitely been bigger circles, but I tend to like a pretty intimate circle. So you couldn't say every single emotion and thought that's passing through you or you take up the whole circle. You're kind of choosing what feels salient. But nonetheless, it's not like there is a, a wrong feeling or a wrong experience or a wrong interpretation or thought pattern for you to have. It's just a matter of, ideally, you'll be able to express it in ownership language. And even when you don't, this is something I love about circling as well, the, the, you know, making a mistake, not doing these invitations or agreements perfectly is also really interesting data. You get to see how people react and people in the circle get to see what it's like to be with someone when they're not using ownership language, for example, or when they're not welcoming everything. And, you know, welcoming everything has to therefore include when you are not welcoming something. So someone might be bringing some energy that you really dislike and you kind of want to get rid of that energy, but you also are asked to share what's honestly going on for you. So in that case, it would be like, oh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm not, I'm in a not welcoming space. I'm like, I'm wanting to like change someone or like avoid something. So that's an example of me welcoming my non-welcoming of what they are bringing, but just sort of like non-judgmentally trying to name and own all of it. Once again, naming it and owning it without doing it. You know, I could say, hey, stop talking about that. Or I could say, oh, there's this urge in me to like stop this conversation. I think that's another invitation of circling that often doesn't get explicitly named, but I think it's so valuable. And it's basically, can you notice and feel like you can still embody what's going on in you, but without doing it as a strategy? You know, like you're feeling it and you're expressing it verbally, and you may even be letting the emotion itself out. So it is, it's embodied but you're not letting the strategy of it kind of take you over. So if, for example, anger is coming up in me, I can really like talk with the anger and express, I'm feeling this, oh, such anger and like almost rage. So I'm like, I'm embodying it. I'm feeling it and I'm talking about it and I'm expressing it and I'm owning it, but I'm not actually like yelling at someone, which would be more me kind of like, being the anger or enacting the anger. And I think that is such a powerful tool to be able to fully feel, own, notice, and talk about an emotion without falling mindlessly and unconsciously into whatever action sequence we have kind of associated with it. So instead of running away in shame, I just talk about how I'm in shame and have a desire to run away. Another common invitation of circling is to try to create something that they call shared reality. And this is really about taking everything that's implicit and making it explicit. So we're, we're really checking with people and we're getting a lot of curiosity about their experience. Like, we want to understand what exactly is going on for every person in the circle in this moment 
including ourselves, in a way that is extremely explicit. So everyone is kind of on the same page about what is happening with everyone. So circling isn't just about sharing your own impact. It's also about getting very curious about what you're seeing in other people and asking questions. So generally, your shares would involve some kind of share of what you're experiencing and then a kind of question that that experience is leading you to want to ask about someone else or about how other people are experiencing you. So there's kind of like this mystery This present moment mystery that circling is always trying to solve, which is like, what is our shared reality? And can we all see it and agree on it? So I might, you know, hear someone say something and I might, I might literally just repeat it back to them as I heard it or understood it and ask them, like, does it sound like I'm getting what you're saying? And if they say yes, that's when we're starting to get shared reality. They know that I know what they are experiencing. And it's also an opportunity to discover these hidden assumptions and misunderstandings that are popping up all the time. I might be like, okay, so what I'm hearing is that you're essentially feeling kind of confused and, and numb. And the person might be like, no, no, that's not exactly it. It's, it's actually more like I'm, I'm just piecing together the truth like I'm having an aha moment like I was confused but now I see something clearly and I'm like oh okay so you're you're coming out of confusion into a kind of insight and then they'll be like yes yes that's it and I'm like okay great I see so now we're on the same page we're starting to get shared reality and then I might also share with them like okay now I'm feeling sort of like excited and I don't know almost proud of myself to have um, understood you correctly And the circle moves on from there. So this shared reality is just another way of getting really clear on what's happening, on checking, again, that we don't have any sneaky assumptions or misunderstandings that are sneaking into our sense-making. And just like creating a very sensitive, very real-time understanding of the kind of emotional ripples that are happening in the circle. Some, some people even call it like a, a we space. The shared reality becomes a kind of vibe or a space that feels almost alive. And this brings up something that is also, for me, kind of an implicit part of circles, but isn't necessarily like part of the official point of a circle. But that is that there, there can be this, this vibe that comes up when we're all really like aware of each other and paying attention and curious and and also like monitoring ourselves and monitoring each other it creates this kind of exciting electric feeling that i've heard described as aliveness and it sort of feels like this anything can happen kind of energy everyone seems to be kind of leaning into something and there's really like a field that you're like you're you're in some kind of group sensation and it can be almost psychedelic at times and it just feels like this really really yeah it feels very alive very there like just like your eyes are open and you're you're awake and you're just connected and and you you just i don't know it's like you're on the edge of your experiential seat kind of it's hard to describe but it's something that 
often, though not always, comes up in a circle when everyone is really attuned to the, the sensations that they're experiencing. And this is another, sometimes this is an explicit invitation of circling as well, to actually stay on the level of sensation. So instead of going too much into the story realm, I'm saying, you know, I'm imagining this story, or I have this interpretation, or this theory of what's happening. When you're really staying on the level of sensation and sharing moment to moment the feelings and emotions and sensations that are coming up in your body as opposed to the thoughts in your head, and the whole group is doing that, I find that that is the key to generating this emergent quality or vibe that I'm calling aliveness. There's just something so raw and transparent and vulnerable about narrating what's alive in your body as it's happening, as it's reacting in real time to what's happening in someone else's body. I mean, it's very intimate. It's, it, it really is like you're, you're seeing a kind of touching interaction, but it's not physical. It's like this, this emotional um, interplay that feels very intimate, very vulnerable, because you don't know what your body's sensation is. Like, you might suddenly go into a really surprising, unpleasant sensation that you don't want to share with the group, or there might be some, like, attraction that comes up, or some some kind of arousal space, or some sexual energy that feels very taboo or something. And, and so, circling is, and, and aliveness is just allowing that to flow out of you Again, to flow out of you through embodiment and through noticing and through language, but it doesn't mean you're actually like jumping on someone and enacting the sexual energy, for example. That, that differential of being able to name it and feel it without doing it is again what makes circling uh, such, a, such a useful self-awareness and self-management skill. I have so much more... I don't know if this is the right word, but like power or control over myself when I can be, see, and talk about things without doing them, without enacting them. It's like just, it's got to be one of the most useful skills. And as I've noted, this all tends to create a very strong feeling of connection. You feel really often accepted, understood, seen, and, and one, like, like literally just like emotionally connected in this really powerful way with the group. And as a social animal, that is often a very warm, very safe, very pleasant feeling, though for some people it can also be very edgy, very uncomfortable, very vulnerable to be so connected and seen because rejection or judgment or scorn or shame could kind of loom all the more powerfully at any moment. And I think that brings up another interesting invitation, which is, can you use circling to connect over anything? You know, could I be committed to connecting even in dissonance or discomfort or anger or judgment or unpleasantness? You know, we tend to think that connection is about some kind of mutual warmth or mutual respect or mutual harmony. 
But circling kind of challenges you to stay in connection even when you're feeling at odds with someone. Like, can I be honest with you about some judgment or annoyance that is coming up in me and towards you or in reaction to you while still maintaining that I want to be in connection with you? It's like, I would love, and and I find that this is often true, if I can name the judgment or the annoyance to the person but also communicate that I want to be in connection with them, it actually seems to make it easier to stay in connection now that I've named it because I'm not withholding from them. I'm not hiding. I'm not being inauthentic by pretending to smile when I'm actually feeling really grumpy in relation to them. So it's like kind of like a clearing, name it to tame it. And it just allows me to be seen And then I'm hopeful that they can share honestly what impact my share has on them, which might be discomfort or annoyance of their own. And then it is up to me to try to welcome that and stay in connection with them in their discomfort. So it creates this quite fascinating lens on connection where it's like, wow, we're both in this moment perhaps annoyed at each other and like wanting to like make fun of each other or, or all these things, but we're also holding and seeing a desire to connect even in spite of that, to in fact connect through that. Can we connect through our annoyance, our dislike even? Can we connect through judgment? Can, can we connect through aversion or disgust even? Like something someone is doing or saying might bring up disgust in me. And I'm like, can we connect in that disgust? Can that be okay? Can that be just the way it is and not a reason to avoid each other or lie to each other? It's very edgy stuff, but it's actually very possible, I'm discovering. And it requires a, you know, again, a strong commitment to connection and a level of honesty and sharing. And again, this ability to Notice annoyance, feel annoyance, talk about annoyance, but not necessarily have to enact it by leaving or mocking or changing someone. You can just say like, oh, wow, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable for me to be like desiring to change you. Yeah, ugh, I really don't like this. What a weird feeling. And yet I want to share it with you and I want to continue to be in connection with you, even though uh, in this moment I have this urge to change you. And no doubt that will have some challenging impact on them, which they can share and I can try to hold as well. So it's quite a, it's quite meta, it's, it's quite edgy, it's quite vulnerable, it's quite challenging, but it really builds like self-awareness and a kind of uh, higher level connective thinking where it's like connection doesn't have to mean that it's all pleasantries and happiness and agreement and harmony. Connection can happen through honest sharing and acceptance and welcoming of whatever someone is bringing and whatever reaction is happening in me to what they're bringing. If I can accept my reaction and them, then I can continue to be in connection even through discomfort and dissonance. And in fact, you start to notice that it's kind of the same thing. When someone is bringing something that you don't like, you, you might often blame them, like, oh, 
the the things you're talking about, I don't want to be around. But what tends to actually be true and that you kind of discover through circling is that it's really the feeling that comes up in my body when I hear you talking about those things is so uncomfortable that I can't be around my own feeling. Therefore, I have to not be around you because I'm seeing you as the stimulus of my uncomfortable feeling. But if I can, in fact, just name and talk about and explore this discomfort coming up in me without needing to run away from it or get rid of it, then I can sit with you and you can talk about whatever these things are that bring up discomfort in me because I can sit with my discomfort. It's such a powerful tool to realize that all these things that we're judging and rejecting in others really correlate to a discomfort within us that we may not be able to sit with or handle. And if we learn to just sit with and handle our own discomfort, we can be in connection with so many other people that we never thought would be possible before. So you end up with circling being this very insightful, connective, though challenging experience wherein you learn a lot about yourself. It's like a self-awareness gymnasium. And it also is a place to practice dealing with all kinds of different emotions and different types of people and different types of patterns and reactions. It's just like this, this kind of playground version of interaction that is really insightful and and also like creates a lot of sovereignty, a lot of um, autonomy for yourself because this ownership language thing, you really are committed to owning your own experience and your own your own discomfort behind things like judgment. It just gives you a lot more ability to kind of be the the conscious master of you and to be more authentic. And I find that these practices that I'm learning and circling are starting to bleed into my everyday social interactions because they're just, they're kind of, um, they're better in a way. It's just like, it's a better way to relate to people. And you can do circling in one direction. Like you don't have to be expecting everyone else to circle back to you, but you can still take these principles of ownership language, of welcoming everything, of checking your assumptions, of naming your stories, trying to get clear on shared reality, and staying in the present moment and really being aware of and focusing on the sensation level rather than just this cognitive level that so much of our society seems to operate in. You can just do those things on your own, whether people reciprocate them or not, and I still find it's, it's a superior way to relate often. It's just a lot more honest and self-aware and connective. And, you know, it's not appropriate at all times. It might not be appropriate in certain situations, like at work, to to reveal certain authentic truths to your underlings. You know, once again, you're the one who ultimately decides what the right way to be is. 
but it's a really cool practice that I highly recommend checking out if you haven't already done so. I'll put some uh, links in the show notes to various different circling trainings and communities. You can try circling online. You can often find in-person circling groups. And it's also a great way to discover emotions like shame that you may not have been able to notice at first or even emotions or, or sensations like when you're triggered and in your threat response. Circling is such a sensitive and attuned space that either you or some other member of the group is likely to notice when you're going into some kind of emotion that hasn't been named. Like, oh, wow, AJ, you just got really quiet and you seem to be kind of looking down. Like, what's going on for you? And I might then be encouraged to be like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling really awful. Like, oh, I'm just, I'm like, I feel hideous. Like, oh my goodness, I, I think I'm in shame. Oh, this is shame. And it can just be like quite powerful to be able to spot and name an emotion in front of a bunch of people and have it just be accepted. No one trying to tell you not to feel shame or trying to cheer you up. And in fact, I'll quickly name that that the cheering up thing is something that often happens and encircling people call it caretaking. And it will often be noted if, if you're just trying to like make someone else feel better, someone is likely to say like, I notice I'm feeling a little bit of like defensiveness come up. And I feel like I have this story, AJ, that you're trying to caretake so-and-so. You're trying to like make them feel better or something. You're trying to change their experience. And I might be like, oh yeah, oh, oh. I'm, I notice like shame and embarrassment coming up as you say that, because I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I felt discomfort about what they were sharing, and I needed to cheer them up and take care of them to soothe my own discomfort. So once again, it builds that self-awareness of like, why do I fall into this pattern of trying to cheer people up? And when do I fall into it? And what sensations are happening in me that are motivating me to do so? Like, what am I trying to change about my own experience? So I, I really highly recommend circling for anyone who's looking to get a deeper self-awareness and a more embodied connection and awareness of their emotions and their sensations and, and difficult and hard to spot feelings like shame. 